so the obsessive like needing to get ahead of the company growth in yourself i think is important but i think it's probably really important you focusing on the right areas i think generally we could all be more reflexive just as people so i encourage people to, to work with coaches and mentors to be honest with you um, and like recognizing where you're both enjoying you're spending your time recognizing where you're weak recognizes where you're willing and able to let others do work that maybe you're weak out and not enjoying regardless of title as well sometimes Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Okay, welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. I am your host, Alex Thuma, uh, CEO and founder of SaaStock, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Harrison Rose, who's the CEO of GoodFit. Uh, welcome, Harrison. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, not, not too bad, as we just said. It's, we're winding down for Christmas at this point, um, but just about hanging in there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, a couple of days, so we're recording this a couple of days before uh, Christmas Day. And um, yeah, I guess kind of as uh, both CEOs of the company were, uh, or companies, or respective companies, were, were still working. Uh, I understand you're writing Christmas cards and also uh, bringing in, uh, or you, you know, the, the final few deals of, of the year, uh, whilst I'm mainly doing content and 360 reviews uh, uh, <laughs> as well. So uh, slight, slightly different perspectives, but uh, hopefully we'll make this a good... Uh, or I'm sure we will, uh, a, a good kind of festive uh, uh podcast. And uh, in fact, Harrison, I'm wearing a, a Christmas jumper, but you can only really see the stars <laughs> on the on the top of my shoulders. Spreading so, Christmas cheer, look, it's good. I like it. I'm trying, it. I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm actually going on an elf trail uh, later today, <laughs> not not work related, but um, I, I, I managed to uh, let it slip uh, to uh, my other half, Gemma, that I was finishing about five o'clock today. So she said, well, that meant that I could probably take the kids on this self trail. And uh, of course, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, but uh, uh, there you go. Um, so Harrison, um, I think it's the first time we've had you on the podcast. We've had your uh, co-founder of the previous company that you, you founded, uh, uh, Christian, uh, on the podcast before. Um, but for our audience, uh, perhaps if they don't know you, uh, who is Harrison Rose? Uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm not, not sure I said that in earlier, but yeah, uh, I, I'm Harrison. So I co-founded my first business, Paddle, alongside Christian uh, 12 years or so ago now. Uh, yeah, he's been on the pod, I'm, I'm sure. Um, lines get blurry. I, I ran all of like going to market revenue and strategy there for, yeah, the 11, 11 years or so, maybe 12. I can't remember. I'm terrible at dates. Um, what whilst I was there, for those of you who don't know, Paddle, uh, that's like 300 staff, $300 million raised, 3,000 customers globally. We do revenue infrastructure for software companies. Ran basically that business my whole adult life. Um, I've been asked alongside Christian many times what other interests were along that kind of 11-year period. And we kind of said, what What else other than, than Paddle? Um, but step, step back full-time in, in January last year, uh, which was one of the biggest, most intense, kind of wild decisions I've, I've had to make. Um, I plan to take kind of a, a year, year off or so um that this year just gone as you've kind of alluded to already uh wasn't so good at that and i've ended up co-founding another business called called good fit off some off the back of some of the unique, unique things we were doing at, at paddle so yeah they've been in in tech and running businesses now since i was kind of 17 18 
Um, keep telling myself I'll, I'll have a bit of a break, but haven't been so good at that. Uh, and that's how I've ended up writing 89 Christmas cards on December December 20th, uh, just a few days ago. Very glamorous. Uh, is, is, are you getting any cramp in the hands or like uh, are you ambidextrous switching hands? Yeah, no, terrible. Um, I've wrote, wrote in some help this year, albeit the, the gifts maybe I, I, can, I can share because I was a guy out later and, and, and people won't know. But we, I, we're slightly mad to people, to be honest with you, at, at Good Fit. And I was like, I really wanted to give someone a gift that people could share. So I've actually made, I think, 150 transferable good fit tattoos that I'm trying to encourage people to tattoo on their body and share on social media as a part of spreading Christmas cheer. We'll see how well that goes, but that's basically the plan that we have. Um, I think 2023 has just gotten to us, but that's that's what we're doing. It's a, it's a good plan, one I, I could subscribe to. Um, a, a couple of quick ones on that. So actually my local tattooist uh, or the tattoo parlor where I've had a few tattoos this year, uh, they celebrated, I think, their first birthday, and in doing so, uh, everybody who was brave enough, uh, and I'm sure everybody there that was brave enough, got a free tattoo, which was their logo, uh, which I thought was quite good marketing. Um, and I also have two Sastock uh, permanent tattoos uh, uh, on me, so um, yeah, I'm, I mean, transferable, easy, easy. So uh, send me one, <laughs> send, send me one, uh, and I'll uh, one's coming I'll, in the I'll, post, I'll rock mate. It. Yeah, good, 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 good stuff. So, so you mentioned you, you, you uh, co-founded Paddle. Uh, you left Paddle after about 11, 12 years. Um, I understand Paddle is kind of like in and around 100 million sort of ARR. Um, and as you said, you spent most of your adult life uh, really f- having founded that business and, and then scaling that business and leading, you know, strategy, go to market, et cetera, and so on. So I, I guess the kind of question, why, why did you leave when you, when you left? I think it's a topic that doesn't always actually get talked about. I've tried to be as open as possible about it over the past year or so. Um, I, I think my, my situation was a little bit unique. It was certainly a bit of a shock to, to my peers, my co-founder and investors and, and board, which maybe isn't the best way to do it. Um, maybe for some context, yeah, I started working with Christian when I was like 17, um, around the business till yeah, like to 28-ish or so. And I basically recognized it was the only thing that I'd ever known or experienced in, in adult life. Like people would often say like, well, how did you start a software business that handled people's like sales tax when you're like 17, 18? And I was like, God knows how, or what was it like handling all that that pressure? And it was like, it's kind of the only thing I ever knew. Um, it was, I was very grateful for, for all of those experiences, but it was kind of when we were going into the series D and, um, uh, which happened, yeah, the the, the year before, um, basically, that that was something that was probably meant to be objectively exciting for us. It was a huge fundraise. Um, we were likely to hit, and we did the kind of fabled unicorn status. We were acquiring a business called Profit Well and Price Intelligently that Christian and I and, and others had discussed over many years actually about acquiring over dinner tables and stuff. And all of that stuff was meant to be objectively exciting. And it really struck me though that. I just felt like I'd seen that story before, like the DD, the budgeting, the planning of the integration with acquired companies before. Um, and that that led me, that really confused me, to be honest with you, like just not having that motivation. Like I really prided myself on the energy that I bring to a lot of the work that I did. And for the first time, not feeling that was quite surprising. Um, and I think I got, I'd basically been working with an executive coach for a number of years, something I'd recommend to any founders listening as soon as they can afford it. And I think I just got to the point where I realized I was more interested, I think, in getting to know myself a little bit better than I was in continuing to to scale and, and learn, learning a, a paddle. Like 
I, I recognize that your entire like identity, friendships, mind share get so wrapped and intertwined with this entity um, in, in Paddle that I was just keen to get to know myself outside of that context and experience life for, for a new lens. Um, so yeah, sh- sharing with that with 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 people was was pretty intense um the the board asked me just to do a sabbatical and maybe return but uh yeah ended up just just taking a step back but yeah it was quite quite the emotional roller coaster man i can i can imagine and christian's reaction was was he at first obviously saying like what what are you doing harrison you know how can you leave me um uh and yeah how, how did that conversation go Oh yeah, we, we actually lived together for the first four years of, of Paddle's existence. And when we, we stopped living together, the, the board and the investors called that the great breakup. They haven't preempted this coming later down the line. Um, but you, it, you felt like you were betraying like your, one of your, your best mates that you've been through all this stuff with. And, and even more so, Christian was the same age as me. Um, and I was so grateful to having gone through a lot of those experiences with, with someone else who kind of grew up together through Paddle. Um, and in stepping back, it felt like a little bit of betrayal to the company, to our employees, to him. I also felt like I was removing the opportunity for him to do the same thing because no doubt he also had felt a level of, of burnout or wanting a break at times. So that felt quite selfish, but something that I felt like I needed to do. So it was really difficult to have that conversation, but he was amazing. He was super, super supportive. Again, was was desperate to find some way in which I could continue or come back in some way. Um, but he was just overwhelmingly supportive, which which was awesome. Um, it didn't make the conversation much easier. Um, but yeah, it was, and then the board too, like as much as they were like, have a sabbatical, come back, don't ever do it, like make it two months. I was just like, given my intentions and, and desire to just experience life and, and not constantly just be thinking about paddle or be Harrison at paddle.com. Um, I'm not sure that's helpful for the business or me. So that made it a, a firm break expecting to do very little for the next year um, and, and ease myself out of the business over a six month period or so. Um, and then somehow ended up here. Um, but yeah, I'm re- really, really grateful for how people kind of reacted during that. So, so did you have a full, full year long break? Uh, and within that year, you didn't No. Uh, so how, how long before you found yourself getting back into business? It was the January last year. So, so not in 2023, 2022 that I stepped back. I worked throughout all of 2021. And in 20, I think I'm getting those years right. Uh, 2022 January I think I set back what are we in now January 2023 that's probably right I'm terrible at dates honestly um but it was basically like three three uh I had probably had four months probably off it was like April time and I explored a lot of stuff um some investor friends and new ones kind of explored whether I wanted to go and work with them as investors and partners and there were lots of C-level kind of offers of various companies mainly mid to late stage but again I didn't really fancy that and I, I thought I was just going to take a, a long break, um, but that, that didn't quite happen. I ended up joining my old colleague and, and best friend, Alex, in, in running Goodfit, um, which made sense at the time. We, we could talk through that decision-making if you want, but yeah, that's kind of where I ended up. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I, uh, I think actually it's a good segue. So, so, so why, why take that CEO role at Goodfit? You know, why them uh, you know, and at that point? Yeah, I, I think in the, in the short kind of four months that I had, like that was terrifying by the way waking up on like january the first like it was a clean break over over christmas and not having eight hours worth of zoom calls to go into it's just like what the hell do i do with my day now like it was wild um but in that time i did have obviously the stereotypical trip to thailand to just kind of find myself of course um but I, i spent a really long time trying to think about what thought things kind of brought me joy 
And I really used that as a framework, actually, to decide whether I did certain things or committed to certain things. I did it actually tick off many of those boxes. Um, and I'll come back to that in assessing Goodfit. But how it, I think it's really important to talk about how Goodfit came about as to why it made sense for me to join. So um, at Paddle, we were going to market in some quite unique ways using data from the very first day that we started, so much so that investors were as interested in that at every fundraise that we did as they were in Paddle itself, which was actually quite frustrating at times. Um, and what we were doing with the data really took a, a step up when we hired a guy called Alex, um, straight out of uni, no coding experience, uh, an amazing story of his. Long story short, our investors eventually, he started running RevOps for me and, and data to some degree. Um, and long story short, the, the investors were like, we'd really love for you to replicate this in, in other portfolio companies. And didn't ask him to leave the business and, and go and set it up as a product, but kind of let him know that that was a possibility. And obviously, he went and did so with my blessing. I advised him from day one. He's like my best mate. And then obviously, four months in, when your best mate's knocking on your door, you've been twiddling your thumbs. Uh, he's basically launched a product, which was kind of your brainchild or paddle as to how you're going to market. It's very difficult to say no to your best mate. And it also did tick a lot of the boxes that were important to me. I wanted to spend more time with my friends. I wanted to grow with other people, continue to grow myself. I won't bore you with the full framework, but it ticked a lot of boxes. So I eventually said yes on, on some very specific conditions, which were also quite important. Um, and he was great. He was awesome. He's given me 50% of the business, given that I kind of came up with the idea um, back in, in Paddle and, and he took it on. So uh, was really gracious in it too. Um, so yeah, said yes on, on some, some some conditions at least. And and, and specifically, like, uh, can you just uh, share with us uh, what, what does Goodfit do and uh, maybe a little bit about uh, data or, you know, on the company uh, itself just to paint that picture? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Goodfit basically provides uh, data to sales and marketing teams. Um, Sasaka, a customer, Clary, all sorts of folks, basically B2B um, teams targeting other businesses um, with sales, sometimes marketing as well. Um, we supply lists of accounts and, and contacts for people to go and sell in, in a very unique way that I won't bore you with, but having to talk to people about it if they're ever interested. Uh, the business, yeah, it's a couple of years old. Um, um, Alex has been doing this for, for longer than, than I've been here. Um, but it's going really well. The company's growing 100% year on year, exclusively via word of mouth and referral. We're not spending any dollars on sales and marketing right now because there was this kind of line, like queue of people lining up to, to utilize data in the way that we had a paddle before he even started, which I was very quick to tell him is not normal uh, for, for people launching new new startups typically. Um, about just over a million dollars there are um, about to start outbound and really accelerating things next year. And um, I think it was important for me, having got in the business to just establish like the product fundamentals to start with, like can we deliver data scalably and reliably and quickly for our clients as well as some, some other challenges. But yeah, we're really about to put the burners on, um, but I've got, yeah, some very, very big multi-billion dollar clients already as, as well as some smaller startups and uh, things are going pretty well. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where we're at as a business. Very different uh, jumping back to a, kind of five, six person company from a multi-hundred for sure. And I, I, I guess kind of on that point, like are you enjoying that obviously more, you know, five, six person company than 300 person organization? Is that more more you, no, certainly for the moment? Uh, I actually think no. Like, uh, and this is one of the other topics we, you and I were kind of back and forthing on, right? Like we talk a lot about why founders sometimes step back from businesses. And sometimes actually that gets like greenwashed to, to some degree, like uh, to be completely honest with you. But a lot of the time you hear, 
you know, uh, our founders really enjoy the early stages and like they love getting their hands dirty and solving a problem before handing it off to someone else. I actually think I enjoyed like series C time for panel by far and above the most. I didn't enjoy going to bed every day, not wondering whether we were going to have enough revenue to survive um, uh, and really enjoyed building a machine, to be honest with you, as opposed to going from zero to one. I enjoyed that too. But it wasn't the desire to go back to an early stage, which which led me to join GoodFit. It was much more so being able to support a friend of mine, give back to him in the way that he had to paddle, um, give some opportunities and some shots to some other people who I'm not sure we quite gave enough responsibility or freedom to in, in the past um, and some other things. So it wasn't necessarily going back to those early stages, which attracted me the most. Um, if anything, it's, uh, yeah, just just really different um, but it, it wasn't that and uh, that is certainly the case i think for for a lot of founders that they just miss the days of being on the ground with every single one of their staff and grinding out product market fit and go to market fit and um, that's been enjoyable but again i think we accelerated through those phases quite quickly at good fit just given the nature and the demand for it as we were doing before we even started and um, albeit our ambitions are very different and um, uh, some of the constraints that i talked about with alex going into the business were I probably wasn't ready to jump into another 10-year journey, to be honest with you, having just, just been on one. And so I was like, look, I'll, I'll give you four years full-time operationally. I think within that time frame, I can get us to X in revenue. At that point in time, um, we can either go and raise a big, 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 big round. There's been a lot of investor attention already, to be completely honest with you, uh, or sell the business, look at M&A, whatever. Um, uh, and in that time, I'd like to control our own destiny, control the pace of growth, uh, decide our own outcomes um, without a board, et cetera. And um, so it's very different, um, to be honest with you. So I'm mean, enjoying the the new and, and the learning as opposed to just being back at an earlier stage. Like running a bootstrap business is completely different uh, this time around. Yeah, well, and also great to be clear, very clear with Alex, you know, at the outset and no pretenses that, hey, you know, I could be running this to 100 million ARR or, you know, for the next 10 years and um, yeah, putting putting your stake in the ground there. Um, and yeah, I think that that topic um, about founders, when they decide to uh, to leave their, the businesses that they founded and the reasons why, and as you said, you know, it's a little bit sort of greenwashed and you, you see it, um, but in the way that it's talked about is very much a kind of often a PR kind of dressed uh, way. I, I coincidentally saw uh, just today in our, our Slack channel, but I don't know when it was actually posted, but the announcement of the CEO of Lattice, he's moving to exec chair, and he's been there for eight years uh, and, you, you know, was talking about all the reasons why he was sort of not leaving, but, you know, moving to exec chair and, and the, the new CEO co uh, coming in. But it did feel very much kind of like, you, you know, like PR's kind of had, had its way with this um, um, uh, this announcement. And, and and what I've seen, I think, you, you know, so your tenure with like Paddle was, as you say, like 11, 12, uh, 12 years, uh, which is great, right? And, and, you know, from 17 to, you know, 29 um, and you see a lot of uh, founders, perhaps around that sort of eight-year mark, really perhaps having these existential, existential uh, questions about, you know, whether they are the right person, whether they still have that fire in their belly, whether the company has outgrown them, um, uh, you know, whether that, you know, they're having that same amount of fun or not. And it must be very difficult to, you know, continuously whilst being long on the company, have that same level of fun, you, you know, and there'll be those ups and downs. But 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 often it seems to be you know maybe after sort of year eight and I don't know if there's there, what what data there is around that that 
founders you know often sort of move on in you know in some capacity but like i guess your own personal experience of what you've seen you know why do you think this this happens you know maybe i've touched on maybe some of the reasons but why do you think this happens quite quite commonly right yeah and i think the, the people who are in the eight year marks as well like these tend to be the success stories right that their companies have endured for, for that long and as much as those people are stepping out into maybe a less operational role they've probably done a phenomenal job over that period like it's my belief and assumption chatting to a lot more founders that it happens quite commonly and earlier, but probably in slightly less ceremonial fashions, which is really unfortunate and just something that doesn't get talked about that often, to be completely honest with you. And I think the the most common reason for it, and we should be talking about it as founders to founders in order to try and avoid that fate if people don't don't want it. We should be talking about the why, I think. And like, I guess I would assume or feel chatting to people is for, for three reasons, right? Sometimes founders just aren't enjoying themselves, to be fair, like at, at, at a different stage, right? The the skills and the things that you do, what's expected of you at different stages of the business are very, very different, quite frankly. And that's certainly true in year 10 versus year zero, right? So that, there's that. There's the, and I think this is probably most common, that so, uh, founder skill sets often just aren't suited to some of the larger organization organizational requirements that that folks have. I, I've chatted to a number of founders that have gone through the IPO phase, for example, and this is also always something that worried me. Like, I didn't it didn't seem like a an experience that I wanted or or was going to enjoy. To be completely honest with you, and fortunately, I think the the spotlight would have been more on Christian anyway as, as CEO. But that that's quite a grueling experience that you need to be up for. Um, but I, I really enjoyed the the naught to kind of hundred kind of revenue, as you, as you said. And um, and then last but not least, it's like. There's, there's also the, the point that you, I, I didn't really think about in advance, but I think you're completely right on my seat and our executives too, whereby when you're solving the same problems or similar veins of problems every single day for eight years in similar different, in similar ways and a similar context and in a similar industry, like getting a little bit lethargic is probably only normal. Like I think the longest tenured executives we had like head of and above uh, at Paddle were probably five years as opposed to eight. And like when both of those, and I can think of two very directly who, who worked directly under me and I hired myself, left the company, they'd done a phenomenal job. Like they'd been amazing. They'd taken us from whatever, low millions of dollars in revenue to high tens uh, and objectively been awesome. Um, and there was no shame in being like, you guys probably just feel a little bit tired of solving these problems. Maybe this stage is beyond you. Maybe it's not, but I'm not sure you have the energy and drive you did. And, and even the people that are hearing your voice every day probably could do with just a different perspective on, on this stuff at this point in time. Like think about sports and the kind of merry-go-round of, of manager changes and things. And sometimes you would just need a different motivator. And um, so I, th- I think that's certainly a part of it too. But th- they're probably the three most common reasons, I'd say, uh, which, yeah, are difficult to talk about, but, but I think uh, are certainly true. What, what about yourself, yourself during that uh, 11, 12-year period and – speaking of like motivation and, and maybe there were m- moments there were mornings or there were weeks where you're just feeling like oh you, you know a little bit more kind of lethargic uh, around that was there anything that you, you did personally or that you can do to kind of get over that um a little bit because you know like certainly at that point you're not thinking well you, you know i'm gonna leave at at, at some point right because you still sort of this is this is my business you know i'm, in, I'm co-founder role 
Um, but you know, just this week, I'm just feeling flat or like today, I just, you, you know, I can't, I can't be bothered or whatever. Right. You, you know, what, th- th- these are just natural human emotions. Right. But uh, what, what were the things that perhaps you did to kind of help you maybe get over that if you experienced it? Yeah, I think maybe not directly, but honestly, like I really felt that I tried to turn up every day at Paddle and bring my full authentic self and also bring a lot of energy to both everything that I was doing. Like I kind of have a a personal mantra on like, I really struggle not to do the very best job that I can and anything that I'm doing, regardless of how quote unquote important it is. And like, I try to turn up with that level of positivity and energy all the time. And it was it was actually the point in time in which I felt like I was struggling to do that for the first time, which actually triggered my my thoughts around. Oh my god, this is very different for me. Like I don't, I feel like I don't necessarily want to prep for this meeting or be here or listen as intently as I perhaps once once did, um, which was really confusing. And it was really important to me to kind of maintain that that persona and that professional credibility that I was really proud of with our investors and organization, which is why I I was keen to get ahead of the problems, right? That's something I'd certainly encourage people to do. If you notice this behavior in yourself, it's probably time to do something about it. Maybe not as extreme as leaving your company, but you should acknowledge it and work with the coach in it or think about it because the worst thing that you can do is ruin a reputation that you've you've built in growing a great company and hiring and and work with a, a load of great folks because you're burnt out or tired or whatever. So don't let this stuff settle like do something about with my suggestion um but i think there's a there's a lot of different things that are required even in the competency side which i think is actually the the reason that most people leave is that as as companies grow and scale the skills that are required are very different and people struggle to keep up with those things i'll completely honest with you like I, i think about boards hiring and their own folks all the time like it happens all the time and i think there's a bunch of stuff that are that's required of you in order to keep up with that. If you're going from naught to hundred million dollars in revenue. Um, like I think at, at the least something that we talked about obsessively was that if your business is growing at like 300% year on year, like you need to grow at a faster rate than your company. Otherwise you're going to get left behind. That's true of you as founders, but everyone within the business as well. And I think about Christian or myself, and it's easier to look at someone else sometimes, but like Christian, when we first started power to Christian today, is night and day difference in like confidence, speaking, like his willingness to motivate folks. Like it's so different. And and unless you can look back on yourself six months ago and just like not be, not not see change, you're probably falling behind and may eventually have to get exited because you're just not keeping up with the demands of the business which are growing um, if, if you are. You both built this, uh, you, you know, l- let's say, and it, it's not fact-checked, but uh, I've heard anecdotally 100 million ARR uh, uh, sort of business, right? So you, uh, that's an incredible feat. What were the, some of the things that you did right as co-founders uh, and maybe, you know, some of the things that uh, you did wrong and, and perhaps, um, you, you know, you're happy to kind of share and you, if you went back in time, you could do it all over again. You wouldn't do, obviously, uh, make uh, some of those mistakes. Yeah, I was having to think about this in advance, right? So, so the obsessive, like, needing to get ahead of the company growth in yourself, I think is important. But I think it's probably really important you focus in on the right areas. I think ge- generally... We could all be more reflexive just as people. So I encourage people to, to work with coaches and mentors, to be honest with you. Um, and like recognizing where you're both enjoying, you're spending your time, recognizing where you're weak, recognizes where you're 
willing and able to let others do work that maybe you're weak out or not enjoying, regardless of title as well. Sometimes, sometimes things don't make sense. Sometimes a split in responsibilities between me, me and Christian in titles was just really weird, but it didn't matter. I, I'd run founder all hands to motivate the all because I was very comfortable doing that. Christian was much better fundraising, like whatever, it, it doesn't matter. Um, and that can sometimes be really, really difficult, either recognizing where you're not so good or letting go of something that you think you should be doing that, that otherwise couldn't. Sometimes you struggled on the culture piece, right? It's like, uh, do, do we palm this off to a chief, chief people officer? We should kind of be leading the culture. What does that look like in an organization? These are quite difficult discussions to have, um, but are really, really important if you're not going to get out, outgrown because uh, you can't do everything and there's going to be things you're better at or worse at and things you enjoy or, or don't enjoy. So I think that's probably quite important, just really spending a lot of time reflecting on that over time. And also just being ruthless with with change around the people that are supporting you. Ultimately, you're building a team to to make up for those things that you don't want to do or your weaknesses or to drive you forward. And I think something we could have done better but still did pretty intensely was just being ruthless with change around that exec team. I kind of think about three or four different phases of exec team that we had, like the head of marketing, head of people, and chief product officer we had at Series A. It wasn't the same but to d and isn't now, now the same at d plus they're literally completely different groups of people and um, and you shouldn't cling on to some of those individuals that they'll have done you a good job from a to b or c to d whatever it is and um, and that's okay um but you the loyalty they've shown you in the work that they've done doesn't mean that they're the right people to do the next job and it's actually doing them a disservice keeping them in in a role that they're not suited for so I think being reflexive about what you're good at, what you're bad at, what you would like to continue doing versus not, and then building the team around that set of requirements is something to be quite obsessive about um, in, in, in growing your business, basically. Yep. No, good uh, uh, good advice, lessons learned, uh, shared there. So appreciate that. So we're going to move into the quickish uh, fire round uh, now, Harrison. Uh, so uh, can you share with us what one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? But probably that, to be fair. I think recognizing that you need to work on yourself as well as your business. Uh, and the impact that has on you, making you a better executive, but also the impact it can have on all of those around you was just like a real unlock for me. Like recognizing how my behaviors were impacting others, not just myself, um, was was a huge unlock uh, for sure. Uh, what about what's the best advice you've ever received? Uh, lots of advice that was very required at the time. I imagine each, each and every time. I think probably... The one that hit hardest was that um, probably that you don't need to wait till the end of the journey to start enjoying it. I've treated myself, I think, like pretty poorly at times in the early stages of, of Paddle, just completely focused on running the business and growing it, thinking I was going to have a great time at the end when we sold it or whatever. Um, but giving yourself permission to enjoy the ride too, I think is really important just, just for you um, and, your, and your sustainability, I think, throughout that. So that's, that's something I'd encourage others to think about. Hundred um, percent. What about? I mean, maybe we cover some of this, but uh, the biggest mistakes you've made, lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, one we haven't covered. We didn't linearly grow the business in the early days. Like we were growing at three hundred percent year on year for five years. Um, we had like max like fifteen people, I think, throughout that, and didn't grow the team. There wasn't a hiring plan like year on year. Like we really didn't know what we were doing at the start, and then we had to add a hundred people in eight months. Uh, and that indigestion just lost us probably eighteen, maybe longer months worth of solid growth um, because we weren't gradually growing the business, and then just at one point realized what we were doing wasn't sustainable. So I'd have definitely been growing the business linearly as opposed to in these mad jumps. 
um, over time because ev- everything broke, man. It was brutal, including the office. We knocked down two walls and hired 100 scooters at one point. Uh, story for another day. I, I do <laughs> I do remember a point where Paddle was moving office like every four to five months or something like that, which couldn't have been, uh, couldn't have been easy. No. Um, uh, no. What about, uh, have you got a favorite book on business, on entrepreneurship um, that's one to share? Yeah, it's probably shocking that I don't. Like I was chatting to Hiroki, who's the founder of Cocardless, uh, the other day about this. And I probably should do more more reading. I learn a lot from others, I think, and articles as opposed to books. I think I probably have them by category. In, in sales, it was like the spin selling was, was really impactful for me. Personally, as like a leader, what got you here, won't get you there was quite good. On life, probably the happiness equation, they're three that maybe you could look at um, if I couldn't tie myself to, to the master one of them. <laughs> Um, what, what about, uh, what do you, do you do anything for your mental health and wellness? I'm, I'm really obsessed with cycling. Um, I started to take an hour for lunch every day in around COVID time when we weren't getting outside. I cycle, eat and shower every day during that on my Watt bike and on Zwift. It's changed my life to be fair. I absolutely love it. I've never been fitter and healthier. So encourage people to do the same. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, well, we've come to the end of the, uh, of the show now, Harrison, if people want to reach out, uh, find you, what's the best uh, way to find you online uh, and also learn more about GoodFit? Yeah. So uh, LinkedIn's best for me. Uh, Harrison Murray's on there, uh, relatively active. So we, we should be able to chat on there, connect, connect if you wish. Uh, GoodFit's at goodfit.io uh, and I'm at Harrison at goodfit.io if you, if you want to reach out. Um, yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, only another 96 Christmas cards to, to write after this and, <laughs> and to get them in the post before the postman wraps up for Christmas. So uh, I hope you're able to do it. But really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks uh, so much for coming on the show for the first time, sharing openly and honestly. Obviously, congrats with everything you've done with Paddle and very exciting with what you're doing with uh, with GoodFit. And uh, as you said, Sastock are a, a happy customer as well. So um, uh, it's all, all good stuff. So uh, uh, Harrison, uh, thank you so much and uh, a Merry Christmas. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you in 2024. Thanks, Sue. See you soon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.